1: Welcome to discover your spiritual identity. I'm going to take you on this episode to 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Where Paul writes his pastor protege Timothy and he says, "I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom." Now, I know on the surface that sounds like he's going to judge between those who are alive physically and those who are dead physically, but that's not where the discernment needs to take place at that juncture, because this is when he ushers his kingdom fully into this world, and he has to discern between those who are alive spiritually and those who are dead spiritually, so that those who are alive can enter with him into this wonderful future destiny that he has planned for the earth now to support that statement, let me take you to Luke chapter twenty verses twenty seven through thirty eight and this is the passage that deals with certain Sadducees that came to Jesus and they deny the resurrection they deny the Supernatural elements of a walk with God. They denied the existence of spirits, they denied the existence of angels, and they asked him a question. They said, Master Moses wrote unto us, If any man's brother die having a wife, and he die without children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. And then there were seven brethren, all of them died, and the same woman married each one of them and uh, died childless at the end of all of that. And the question they gave was, in the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? For seven had her to wife. And Jesus said unto them, the children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God being the children of the resurrection. And then he says something very powerful, and this is the supportive statement for what I said at the beginning of this episode. He said, now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush, the burning bush, when he calleth the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he is not a God of the dead, but of the living. For all live unto him. And he's referring to those who have passed on. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are among the living, not only alive for a certain temporary sojourn in this world, but alive eternally. And so I, th- I think you and I need to start considering that we are the living and we live among the dead. In fact, there's a scripture that often comes to my mind that says, the man who wanders out of the way of understanding shall abide among the congregation of the dead because that's what the world is they congregate they congregate in bars they congregate in uh, festivals that are uh centered around ungodly music they they congregate in different places where they want to revel in the flesh and revel in worldliness but that's the congregation of the dead see And the man who wanders out of the way of understanding abides among those who qualify as the dead. But you and I are among the living. Now, let me take you back to the beginning of the problem and the solution. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 and 22. That two-verse passage says, for since by man came death, By man also came the resurrection of the dead, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. See, Jesus said that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. Well, who did he murder? Was that just a reference to him influencing Cain to kill his brother Abel, or does it go back further than that? I believe it does. I believe that Satan murdered the entire human race when he brought Adam and Eve down into deception, into sin, into rebellion against God, because we were all in Adam. The seed that would ultimately bring forth the entire human race was a part of him. And we were in Adam so that when he fell, we fell. When he was murdered spiritually, we were murdered spiritually. That was a mass genocide that took place in the Garden of Eden, spiritually speaking, because by man came death. In fact, that scripture is very supportive of the idea of original sin. Every person is born in a state of spiritual death because of this status that Adam passed on to us. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, The Lord God, Yahweh Elohim in the Hebrew, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became what? He became a living soul. So there must be a difference between a living soul and a dead soul. Just because someone is separated from God doesn't mean they're without a soul. That soul is just under a death curse, if you will, because there's a lot of death-dealing mindsets and death-dealing emotions that people have to deal with when they're separated from God. See, the soul is made up of the mind and the will and the emotions, And when you're separated from God, your mind is full of all kinds of strongholds that dictate your behavior, negative thought patterns, carnal tendencies. Your emotions are unpredictable and darkened by the evil that abounds in this world. And your will is broken. And so your soul is dysfunctional. There's a a kind of death state certainly you exist, but barely alive, barely alive. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Well, what did God breathe into Adam? Did he breathe oxygen and nitrogen and the other gaseous vapors that fill the atmosphere? Well, that may have been part of it, but the breath of life contained more than just gases because what does God breathe? Think of that. Does God chance dying of asphyxiation if he gets outside of the atmosphere of the earth, out into space? And I know that's kind of a warped way of thinking of it, but still it illustrates a point. God breathes his own divine essence. That's the breath of God. And when God breathed into Adam, he breathed himself into Adam. He breathed his own divine essence and character, his attributes into Adam. So that Adam imaged God in the earth. But then when Adam sinned, I personally believe the breath of God took its departure. He was still breathing like a natural human being, but he lost that divine breath of life. See? Jesus reinstated that when he rose from the dead. That's why the resurrection is so tied in with you and I becoming a part of this group of people referred to as the living. Because right after he arose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples in the upper room, and the Bible said he breathed on them the same one who breathed into Adam's nostrils now breathes into all the disciples in the upper room. That breath goes through the whole room. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So they received a reinstatement of what Adam lost in the beginning. And they became the living instead of the dead. That's why religion just brings deadness to people. But relationship brings life. You need more than just being part of a Christian denomination. That doesn't make you Christian. It just makes you religious. But if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you connect with life. Let me take you to 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five. That verse says that the first man, Adam, was made a living soul because it was a God-infused soul. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Now, that's the King James Version. I like the word quickening. It's not a word we use much anymore, but newer versions say a life-giving spirit, which is not as powerful a word, at least in my (laughs) vocabulary, because quickening gives you the sense that he resurrects you back to life when he comes into your heart. He quickens you out of the grips of death into a state of being alive in his presence. That's why before he was crucified, in those last conversations that he had with the disciples, in fact, John's gospel is dominated by the last things Jesus said right before he went to the cross. And in John chapter 14, listen to what he said a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. See, he visited them in the upper room. And then he said, because I live, you will live also. In other words, because I'm going to shake off the chains of death, then you're going to be able to shake off the chains of death. Spiritual death first, physical death later on. And he said, at that day, at what day? At the day when the life of God is infused inside of you again. At that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. In other words, that's the whole key to the matter. There's going to be a reuniting where that gap of separation will be healed. That breach will be healed and the life of God will come into you. You'll no longer be in the congregation of the dead, but the congregation of the living. Now let me read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses. Did you hear that? We were dead. We were the walking dead the real walking dead, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ, alive together with Christ. It's like there's an overflow from the open tomb, that the resurrection life of God is like a tidal wave going through the world, and those who turn their heart toward him are caught up in the life of God and renewed in that status. He's raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. So he's resurrected us along with himself. Wow, that is just a fantastic thought. See, you need to understand that in the Bible, in the Greek, there's two different words translated life. And one is used more often with regard to natural life and the other to spiritual life. Suke, P S U C H E, was the word that Jesus used, or at least the Greek word used, uh, when his message for the early disciples was translated. And he said, Take no thought for your suke, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat or what shall sh- you shall drink is the life, not more than raiment, it's more than food, it's more than all these natural things. He said, take no thought for your life. Suke is talking about natural life, human life, ordinary physical life. But when he said, he who believes on me has everlasting life, the word is zoe, Z-O-E, which means divine life, resurrection life, God life. See, there's a huge difference. When he said, I am come that they might have life, he's talking about Zoe life, not Suke life. He's talking about the life that endures beyond the grave and the demise of this physical body and will carry you into an eternal destiny where you are among the living, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the rest of God's redeemed forever and forever. Now, this is a right now inheritance. This is something we can experience right here, right now, because first of all, we eat of the living bread. Jesus said, I am come down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. He said, I am the living bread. I am the living bread. Well, that's talking about spiritual, invisible sustenance, nourishment for the soul. And then he also said, he that believes on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But the writer that narrated that statement said this, he spoke of the spirit, which was not yet given for Jesus was not yet glorified. So the living bread represents the word of God. And the living water represents the Spirit of God. And those are two staples of life. Number one, you have to have breath in order to survive. You can't go beyond about three minutes without breath. Number two, you have to have water. Normally, people can't go beyond three days without water. And number three, you have to have bread. Uh, Or you have to have some kind of food. You can't normally go beyond about 40 days and still be alive without eating. And so Jesus is the source of your spiritual breath, your spiritual water, and your spiritual bread. Breath, water, and bread. And by these we're loosed from our death state and brought into a living state where he said something really intense in John chapter 4 verse 24. He said, most assuredly, I say unto you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has, not will have, but has everlasting life. I have everlasting life right here, right now. I may shed this body, but the life that is eternal is already inside of me and inside of you if you're a born again believer. Listen now, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. Did you hear that? See, because you've already gone through a certain kind of judgment. Your sins have been judged and annihilated, wiped out of existence. Some men sin their sins before To judgment. When you repented, you presented your sins to God. They were wiped out of existence by the blood of Jesus. Thank God for that. He who believes in me, or rather he who believes in him who sent me, has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. Now, this is the part I wanted to get to, but has passed from death into life. Didn't say that would happen in my future but it's already happened. Death has no hold on me. Death has no hold on you. That's why the prophet of the Old Testament, and it could be said even more powerfully and and confidently and boldly now, rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. And we can say that as well, that no matter how many death-dealing blows we get hit with in this world mentally and emotionally, there's resurrection life inside of us that keeps bringing us back up again. At the grave of Lazarus, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now, I know that means physically, but it also means emotionally and mentally. And spiritually, when you feel like you're just about dead, don't stop believing. Because if you keep believing in the blood, keep believing in the cross, keep believing in the open tomb, keep believing in the name of Jesus, somehow you'll shake off the grips of death and walk right out of that problem, that battle that you're going through. One last scripture I want to bring out, Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus said, "Inner." in by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. The majority of this world, unfortunately, and that's a grief to my heart and certainly a grief to the heart of God. But then he said, but narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. He did say it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. But the way of the transgressor is much harder. He said, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The word translated life there is not suke. The word translated life there is zoe. And that's not just talking about the next world, the celestial world, the heavenly world. It's talking about finding life right here, right now. And you need to understand that he who hates his brother abides in death. So walking in the life of God means walking in the love of God. And being among the living means being among the loving. And that doesn't mean loving those who love you back alone. In fact, Jesus bumped up the standard much higher. He raised the bar when he said, love your enemies Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Because then, in a demonstrative way, you are really among the living because you are among the loving. That's an indication that you are who you say you are. I believe that will be a blessing to you. I know it's been a blessing to me to see these truths, and I delight to share them with you. So, check out a couple of things, check out our YouTube channel, Mike Shreve Ministries. We've got television programs there on Discover Your Spiritual Identity, where you can explore more of the names, more of the titles that God has given his people, as well as other podcasts that we've done. Again, that's our YouTube address, Mike Shreve Ministries. God bless you until the next time we share the word together.